good to have an anchor because we are in a storm. If you don't realize it, we're in the storm of the last days. In these last days, there'll be perilous times. Men are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The truth of the matter is they love themselves more than they love God. But I have an anchor. Folks, and that anchor is not down, that anchor is up. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, 18 and following says that we have an anchor in the forerunner that's already entered in, and his name is Jesus. There's two things, he cannot lie, he cannot lie, and he always tells the truth. That's my anchor. And so listen, I want to tell you something, you know somebody that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, they have no anchor, that's right. they have no direction, they have no hope. But with Jesus, you have a hope. It's an anchor for your family. It's an anchor for your children. It's an anchor for your marriage. It's an he is the anchor. What a great song. I can preach on the anchor a little while. Amen. I want to preach some on the power of biblical faith. The power, and I want to emphasize that, biblical faith. A lot of people think because of this passage about moving mountains that you can tell God what to do. I'm going to say this, friend. You ain't big enough to tell God what to do. He's God and he'll do what he wants to do. But it's great to get involved in what He wants to do. Amen? That's called His blessed, precious will. And so I'm going to preach to you a little while on how to have your prayers answered by using biblical faith. Biblical faith. Let's stand on the Word of God. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter, did I tell you where it was going? Mark chapter 11. We'll back up to verse 19. We preached that last week. But we'll, uh, to, to, to prelude verses 22 through 26. If you hadn't got this yet, we're preaching through the Bible. Every verse, verse by verse, we're preaching the Bible. We're letting the Bible preach. Say amen. amen. It's not some uh, uh, sermon I get on Saturday night from the sword of the Lord. It's the Word of God amen. that we're preaching. I talked to Brother Gary Lefford this morning, and I said, how are you doing? And he was just sort of giddy. He said, I'm in my office. I'm in my study. And God is good. God is on the throne. I just want you to know that. I said, well, good. I'm glad I called to find that out. Amen. He said, God's on the throne. And I said, brother, you preaching this morning? He said, I'm preaching. Went to Braves game Friday night, took his whole family, which everybody advised him against that. You know, that's, that's risky, and uh, you might get too excited. And then uh, he was going to preach this morning, which a lot of people don't want him to preach. But I want to say this. Only a preacher knows, only a preacher knows when you're called to preach that you live to preach. That's right. And if you die preaching, it's a pretty good way to go. I'm not trying to be cruel, unkind, or whatever, but I'm going to tell you, when you're called to preach, you have a hunger in your heart to preach no matter what. Right. It's not easy for these missionaries to go overseas and risk their lives preaching. Amen? And I want to tell you something. I found out through the grapevine yesterday that one missionary that's very, very, very close to me is very discouraged. Very discouraged. And so I will ask you to join me at 530 to pray for her. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to get in trouble saying that much. I say too much. But, the, but I'm going to tell you, I'm very, very, listen to me, I'm very concerned about one of our missionaries. It happens, she happens to belong to me. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray with me as a church tonight. Join me and Mama to pray. And we're going to pray for Gary. We prayed a lot for Gary. We're going to keep praying for Gary. We're going to pray for all of our other missionaries. But excuse me for being partial. We need to pray. Okay, that's all I'm going to say, if I don't start crying. By the way, Brother Randy, anytime you want to stop and cry during a song, that's, a, that's appropriate. Amen. I'm tired of this, this stale, dry, unemotional, 
religion that we have where we don't think we can show any emotion in the house of God. You need to get over yourself and just worship God. Amen? All right, let's go. I've killed the meat and we're going to try to get it back with the Word of God. Amen? It says, when it was come, he went out to the city, and that's Bethany, where he raised the dead, Lazarus. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Like he was shocked at that fact. But look at this. And Jesus answered, saying to him, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and, be, and, and, and thou cast into sea, and thou shalt not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. There's the key word. Things he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen? It's not a blank check. You don't demand God to do nothing. You just get in on His demands. Look at this. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have all against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I'd, I'd hate to think that my prayer life was cut off because I was holding a grudge. Verse 26. And if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which in heaven forgive your trespasses. You may be seated as I pray. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege of preaching. And only a preacher knows how they want to preach when probably they shouldn't. And so, dear God, guard Brother Gary this morning. Enable him, keep him, God, in the boundaries. If it's ten minutes, if it's five minutes. There's a preacher on standby. But God, I pray that you'd use him. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help him. And God, I pray that you'd heal him. And I pray, dear God, you'd give us more faith. Biblical faith is what we need. And Lord, I pray that you'd increase our biblical faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, genuine biblical faith is a miracle. Faith in God is something that we do not possess naturally. We just not, we don't, we don't, we're not born with faith. We have faith in mama. We have faith in daddy. Uh, we have faith, uh, I was giving this illustration to uh, uh, yesterday, a little about walking my children across the street when I was their father, and I still am, but when they were little and I had to walk them across the street, that they uh, didn't take my hand, I took their hand. And they trusted me to get them across the street. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You need to get, trust God to get you across this world into heaven. Amen. Amen. And it's all childlike, not childish, not childish, and not brass and demanding faith. It's biblical faith. Ephesians 2, 8 says it's a gift. It's a gift of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says you have a measure of faith given to a lot of men. Some people have more faith than others. Some people, all they have is fear. And all they have is feelings. And some people, all they do is finagle. That's what I'll preach on tonight. Uh, and folks, we try to get by by maneuvering and manipulating and being the best we can. But I want you to see this morning that you can demonstrate God's power that'll boggle people's minds if you'll just have biblical faith. I mean, Joshua commanded the sun to stand still and Israel could 
defeat the Amorites. Amorites. Joshua 10, verse 12 through 14. King Hezekiah was told that he would, he would die. And he prayed to the Lord and God added 15 years. That's what I'm praying for, for someone else. 15 years. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1 through 6. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 14, Abraham was told to sacrifice his son Isaac. He was the son of promise and he obeyed by faith. God spared Isaac and provided a ram in his place. Perfect picture of Calvary. Hey, Joshua 14, verse 6 through 16, describes an 85-year-old. I'm glad that 85-year-old Caleb believed God for power to defeat the mountain infested with giants. God gave him that mountain. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 through 4, you know the story. The teenage boy named David believed God and brought, the, brought Goliath down and he took his sword and cut his head off. Sword was so big you probably had to have two hands on it. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 through 30, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I wish I knew their biblical names. Uh, I would give them, these are their heathen names, but that's how we call them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Believe God to keep them from the power of a pagan king in the fiery furnace. And God met them in the furnace and protected them. And if you hadn't heard enough illustrations, why don't you turn sometime to Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 32 through 35, and you'll see that some people that didn't come out on top, that didn't have the victorious ending, still had faith and was commended that they kept the faith even when they were beheaded, persecuted. I don't think they were praying for that. Jailed, sawed asunder, sacrificed themselves for God, gave their life for God. That wasn't what uh, Oral Roberts would preach on something good's about to happen to you today. Folks, we can't command that everything's going to be pleasurable and everything's going to be on our time, our, time our, our schedule. But I want to tell you something, folks. We ought to pray this one prayer. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the disciples prayed, increase our faith. That's the best prayer in the Bible. Increase our faith. Because I want to say this, after all, you don't, Christians, you don't live by feelings. You don't live by figuring. You surely don't live by finagling. That's a South Georgia word, meaning maneuvering, manipulating. You live by faith. You're not called believers by accident. You're a believer. And you're supposed to live by faith. By faith. And folks, the only way that you can prove to this world that you are a Christian is according to your faith. So we need to have more faith, yes. But we need to have biblical faith. And folks, this, this verse has been taken out of context so much that I just couldn't wait to get to it that folks, God doesn't want us to go out and look at a mountain. What if I, this morning I said, hey, listen, y'all go out back. I want to build some soccer fields out there. Do something with it. Amen. Praise God. Get, get some kids saved. That, that, those weeds bothered me back there. But anyway, we'll go to that next. We're visioning uh, a mountain back there. And I'll just go out there and say, hey, come on out here. I'm going to command this mountain to move. And if y'all got enough faith, that mountain's going to move. That's taking that verse out of context. Amen. It's also taking that verse out of the context of the whole Bible. And folks, we're going to show you that in a minute. But there is many mountains that we need to remove in our lives. And one of the greatest mountains is unbelief. Do yes. you believe God or you don't? But I want to say this. Just because you believe God, don't you think you're going to get everything you want? This is not an a la carte buffet Christianity. You know, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. And if you don't give me this, I'm going to pout for about five years, quit the church, and get bitter. No, I want to say this, friend. God's given you life. 
And I want to tell you, the other day somebody told me, he says, I don't know why God didn't heal this person. I don't know why he didn't do something. And my wise son-in-law said, he did do something 2,000 years ago. He did something. He died on the cross. He was buried. He arose. And you can spend forever with your loved one. Now, I understand the... I understand the complaint. I understand the cry. I understand the mourning. I did it with my kids. I thought for sure that God was going to raise up my daddy and give him more than seven years after he got saved because he wasted so many years. But he did. He was proactive 2,000 years ago when he saved my daddy by the grace of God at the cross of Calvary. And he accepted it when I was preaching when he was 63. Amen. Don't ever accuse God not doing enough. He's done enough and more than enough. And by the way, sometimes when God does not answer your prayer, it's the biggest blessing you'll ever have. Okay, I'm going to go there just a second. How many are glad that sometimes God said no to your prayer life? Come on, He's able to do that. He's sovereign. He's God. He can say no if He wants to. Because you look back and if God had answered that prayer and you had won the lottery, you'd have went down the drain with the rest of the lottery winners. Say amen. But y'all prayed hard for that ticket. No, no, listen. You prayed hard for that. Listen, I want to tell you something. God knows best. God's overall. God is sovereign. And folks, I want to tell you this, and I'll say it clearly. Sometimes when it looks like God's holding out on you, God did not answer the prayer. I'm going to say He did answer that prayer because He knew what was best. And He said no. God can say no. 13 months ago, fog in January, helicopter couldn't land, Gary couldn't get his liver. Well, they discovered he's, had a, he's got a bad heart. I don't know how long he's had that bad heart, but God knew maybe if he had that transplant, he'd have died on the table. God gave him 16 years, 16 months besides that time. That's the way we got to look at it, say amen. God knows best. God controls the fog. God controls the nose. God controls the interruptions. God is divine. Say amen right there. We got to look at it by faith, say amen. I'm not just a power of positive thinking, Norman Vincent Peale. I'm the power of positive faith. God is God. And God is right. And God is always right. And let me just add this. God loves you. Amen. God loves you. Take some faith. I'm going to give you three things in closing about faith. The power of biblical faith. The object of biblical faith. The opportunities of biblical faith. And the obstacles of biblical faith. We'll preach just a few minutes. On the power of biblical faith. I gave my title as one of the points. Y'all just didn't realize that. So y'all commenting on that right now. But I want you to see this. The object of biblical faith. Look at verse 22. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Now folks, the fig tree withered and it blew their mind. It withered from the roots up, by the way. And it shouldn't have blew their mind because <clears throat> in the same town that they were walking of, they just seen Lazarus rise from the dead. But they said, look, it's withered. And his response was simply this, have faith in God. Amen? And folks, when, when there's judgment, have faith in God. When there's only leaves and fruit and God exposes that, exposes things in your life that are not fruitful, have faith in God. 
When God doesn't answer your prayer, have faith in God. Folks, God is not always on your time schedule. And you know God knows best. And the very thing you prayed for could have been a curse. And God said, I love you so much, I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to let you go another route, another way. Say amen. Think of it now. What could have happened? Only in eternity will you see the whole picture and say, now I know. Now I know. Have faith in God. It's encouraging to have faith in God instead of ourselves. This whole abortion junk <clears throat> is faith in self. It believes that millions of years ago, one cell showed up millions of years later as a sophomore in college. <clears throat> That's what it believes. And it believes that man is overall and that man created himself and so man's just an evolved animal, and so we have a right to do anything we want to do. We can even say, that one doesn't live, that one doesn't live, that one doesn't live, and that one doesn't live. I want to tell you something, we're, God, we're not God. We have no right to kill an unborn baby. Because we're not God. Now, if God wants, to, God wants to have a stillbirth, that's His business. God wants to not make it through nine months because it's better that He goes to heaven, that's His business. But it's not our business. Don't cross that line, America. You're not God. You're not God. God is God. And I want to tell you something, friend. We ought to pray for revival of realizing, number one, biblical faith, believe in God's person. We need to believe in God's person. So if you're taking notes, put it real black and bold and big, God's person. If you're saved, God is your Father. I preached on that Wednesday. I had the time of my life. I mean, sometimes Wednesday nights, this is precious. And I started getting off on this, uh, God loves you. God really loves you. And God cares for you. And God is the Father who is sovereign, but God is the Father who gave His Son because He's compassionate. And folks, I want to tell you, He cares about you. It says, cast your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Philippians 4, 7 says, be careful for nothing. That says, don't worry about a thing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, let, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. And that the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep or garrison your heart. Amen. Folks, listen, we need to believe God can give us peace when nobody else can. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that we ought to come boldly to the throne of God. No, it didn't say that. It said the throne of grace. Amen. Grace is strength in the time of need. It's amazing grace that you're saved. But it's amazing grace that you strengthen and that you're sustained. Say amen. You talk about that anchor in the storm. Praise God. It, the, the anchor spelled grace. The grace of God. If it wasn't for the grace of God, some of y'all be in mental institutes this morning. So, hey, some of y'all done, done lost it. Hey, some of y'all already had nervous wreck, uh, breakdowns. I can't even say it. Nervous breakdowns. I'm a very nervous person. Y'all would never believe that, but I am. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be out of this. One, one guy the other day looked at me, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, and says, you, do you mean you've been there 40, 42 years? I said, yeah. He's looking at me like, man. He said, I thought Baptists ran their preachers off every three years. I said, not this one yet, but I, I'm glad to have it. But I want to tell you something, friend. We ought to not be amazed at anything God can do. Brother Pete was sharing how God blessed in the joy class. That might not seem much to you, but those dear folks down there 
need the gospel. And he was rejoicing in the handshake time. God used me and God used the lesson. It was a great lesson. It was a great Bible that he was teaching. And I want to tell you something. We ought to give God the credit. Hebrews 11, 6 says, We ought to come to him believing that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We ought to come to him. That's prayer. Believing what? That he is, not he was. And humanist, not that he's going to do what you say you do. And you're going to get mad at him because he does it. That makes you God. And it makes him the grocery cart boy. And you say, bring this to me now. And if you don't bring it to me now, I'm going to be mad at you for five Sundays and, and skip Sunday school. God gave you life and life more abundant. You're skipping Sunday school because you're mad because he hadn't answered your prayer. We're dealing with aloof, disconnected deity. No. We're dealing with a compassionate, caring father. God loves his children. I might not get past this point. God loves his children. I told the illustration Thursday about the time that it was, it was reminiscent because it was Jason's birthday. And uh, he, he was eight months old, and we'd go door to door, and, 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 and Connie would carry him in his arms. And it opened a lot of doors, by the way, because I'm ugly. She's pretty, but Jason was prettier, a uh, hamstringer, whatever. He's a baby. I mean, you know, you carry a baby on visitation, it's good. And I remember the time that it was a crisis in our life. I mean, it was just terrible. He was having surgery at three years old, maybe, two. Can we talk a little bit? No, uh, three, two, I don't know. It was, he was a little old baby, a little old bitty boy. And I remember we went in that surgery room, or in that uh, preparation room, and and then they said, it's time to take him. And I looked over at my wife, and tears are streaming down her face. And I wanted to be macho and say, hey, listen, this ain't brain surgery. It'd be all right. And then all of a sudden, I started crying. We both boo-hooing. And then my wife, in her caring, loving posture, followed him to the elevator door and was going in surgery with him. I said, honey, you can't do that. And it wasn't brain surgery. It was tubes putting in his ears. <laughs> tubes. I, they, they did that in those old days. You know, they put tubes in your ears to drain the sinuses. I don't know. Y'all told me, talk to me later. And you know, we thought it was the end of the world. That we'd have to send our little baby boy, two years old, into surgery. And I hope that that doctor said, you know, that father cares. He's not saying, well, let's, let's reason this out. They do this every day, and bless God, the surgeons know what they're doing. And it's not really surgery. They're just putting tubes in his brain. It'll be all right. I mean, his ear, that'll be fine. Amen. That's a sovereign daddy. That's a disconnected daddy. But I want to tell you something, friend, and let me notify you. We need to have faith that we have a loving father that cares more than you ever cared about your, your two-year-old having tubes. In his ears. And so we have, need, need to have faith in his person. He's God. He's overall. He's a God that cares. Number two, we need to have faith in God's promises. The child of God has some very precious promises. God invites us to pray to him, Philippians 4, 6, and come to him, Hebrews chapter 11, 6, believing that he is. But I want to tell you how we know he is because of his word. Amen. Y'all trust in visions. 
Y'all need to stop eating those Whoppers at 12 o'clock at night. Y'all want some spooky vision to get a glimpse of God? You need to get in your Bible. That's a biblical vision. That's a biblical image. We don't look for visions. We don't look for feelings. Or, or, or if, if you do, you better go to these crusades where they have thousands of people looking for that next apostolic secession vision. No, we need to look to the Word. And He invites us to pray to Him. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I, I feel a series coming on in these verses. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. And you better thank God it's a series and not, I'm going to preach to you 15 hours on this. But look at this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. How many need rest? Amen. Rest from sin. Rest from this sorry world. It'll wear you out. It'll wear you down. Sometimes I just get, I, I get into escape mode. I won't even watch Fox News. I don't want to hear no bad news. I definitely won't watch CNN. But I want to tell you this, friend. You get worse news. I mean, everybody's wrong. I just sometimes want to say, hey, Jesus is coming. I know it's going to get worse and worse. But folks, I get rest when I get to the Word and prayer. Look at, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest under your souls. It's different than physical rest. It's soul rest. Amen. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know why his yoke is easy? He's carrying the load. I have weird pictures sometimes, and y'all just forgive me. Y'all put up with me 42 years. It won't be many more years. I'll be out of here. But I'll say that. I hope not. But I, I want to say this. I have a weird picture about this yoke being easy. I look at one big old ox in the yoke, and then I see another one that's his feet's not even touching. But he thinks he's pulling the load, but he's just there next to the big one. And I want to tell you something, friend. Sometimes my feet's not even touching, but he's carrying the load. Say Amen. And if he don't carry the load, I've had it. I'm a goner. And because that load's going to pull me back. But praise God, I'm yoked up with the easy yoke. I serve God the easy way. That's letting Him serve through me. That's letting Him comfort through me. I'm going to tell you something, friend. As a pastor, I would already blown my mind and I'd be depressed if I had to counsel people in the flesh. Because I hear problems all the time. I hear difficulties all the time. I hear people after people, and I have my own problems. I have my own daughters. I have my own children. I have my own problems. Me, myself, and I. And I have to hear all your problems. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm called to do it. And my name means wagon builder, which means burden barrier. And I don't even like my name, but if it's going to be spiritual, I'm going to make it spiritual. Wagon maker. Hallelujah. Amen. But God's called me to carry your burdens. But I can't carry them in the flesh. Matter of fact, I'll just get mad, sad, glad, and just walk off. And so, friend, listen, God invites you to pray to Him. And when you pray to Him, believe who He is. He's a yoke bearer. He carries the load. He picks you up when you can't pick yourself up. He gives you one more breath when you feel breathless. You ever had the breath knocked out of you? I have. Right in front of the principal's office. My best friend sucker punched me. 
because he thought I stole his girlfriend. I didn't steal his girlfriend. It was her fault. But anyway, <laughs> he, 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 I thought he was going to talk. I said, David, you want to talk? About that time, wah! And I went, oh! I said, please, principal, come out and arrest this guy. They didn't even come out. We could have had a knockdown drag out right in front of the principal's office. But I remember after I got my breath knocked out of me, I was so thankful for that next one. Oh. I'll tell you something, you ought to be thankful for the next breath. Amen. You know, one thing all this with Brother Gary's taught me, I need to be more grateful for my health. I told him the other day, I said, I want you to preach for me Memorial Day weekend. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah, about a five-minute video. You ain't coming up here. Five-minute video. And I want you to exhort us to be faithful. Well, he perked up and says, I'll work on that. I'll get it together and tell anybody that wants a copy, I'll send it to them. I want to give God the glory. I can do it, preacher. I'll work on it. I said, don't work too hard. Take your time. Memorial Day's two weeks away. He's going to preach for us Memorial Day night. Amen. Amen. It'll be a blessing. Five minutes by way of video. He might be sitting in a lounge chair, sipping tea. That'd be fine. Amen. We'll take care of our brother. But folks, I want to tell you something. He, has a, he invites you to pray to him. Then he has, he has a promise he wants you to hear. He wants, he's got a promise he wants you to hear. I want you to see this promise in Jeremiah 33.3. Every time somebody went off to college, my pastor would pull them all into the office. I ought to do that, but y'all would be scared to death if I did. And he gave them this verse before they went to college. Jeremiah 33.3. It says this, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And I'll show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Folks, you want to live the average little Christian life, and you want to just be normal, just go ahead and not pray. Biblical faith will change your prayer life. And folks, the Bible says in Psalms 10, 17, would you turn to Psalms, I'll give you two more verses, about He promises something. He promises this. Psalms 10, 17, please. The Bible says this, It says, Lord, Thou hast heard the desires of the humble. Thou will prepare their heart. Thou will cause Thine ear to hear. Now Psalm 66, 18 says, He won't even hear you if you regard iniquity in your heart. You got sin in your life? He won't even hear you. But I'm going to give you one more verse. Psalm 65, 2. Psalm 65, 2 on this point. Psalm 65, verse 2. O Thou that hear... I'll wait on you. You got it? Psalm 60. We're not palm readers. We're Bible readers. Get your Bible. Psalm 65, verse 2. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Did you hear what that said? God hears prayer. But what kind of prayer does He hear? God promises to hear prayer, but God promises to answer our prayers. Turn to Isaiah. Psalms, Isaiah 58. Psalms. Isaiah, Isaiah. Psalm of Solomon, Isaiah. Find Psalm of Solomon, you can find Isaiah, can't you? Amen. Isaiah, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 9. 
The devil said I was taking too much time on this point, so I'm going to take my time. Because I'm panicking right now. This is my introduction. It's 12.01. So I'm panicking. Never had, a, had too much to share. But this is, this, is, this is essential. Isaiah 58, verse 9. The Bible says this, Then shall thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, putting forth of the finger, and speaketh vanity. God says, I'll answer your prayer. Amen. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Hey, seek, and you shall find. Ask, and he shall hear. Amen. He shall answer. When it comes to the promises of God, we have God's guarantee that he'll keep every one of his promises. But wait a minute. It's not a blank check. As some of you have heard on TV, I hate to upset you, but you cannot demand God to do anything. But what you can do is get in on His demands and His commands and watch Him do everything that He desires in your life. Your desires melts into His desires. Your will melts into His will. And that's moving a mountain. Because last time I checked, our wills are pretty stubborn. Our wills are pretty large. And our wills sure get in the way. And folks, by the way, you cannot have faith that God will do something for which there is not a biblical promise. Prayer and faith are not a blank check. Prayer and faith are an opportunity for God's people to demonstrate their confidence in the written Word. When God says something in His Word, we have that absolute faith. He'll do it. When we pray outside the Word of God, you can pray all you want to. You can pray so loud that everybody in Whitfield County can hear you. You can pray with tears. You can pray and fast. I'm saying you can do everything you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. You're not arm wrestling God. He is God. And He knows what is best. And He loves you. And folks, He's got a plan for your life. And He's even protecting your life sometimes when He says no. Faith is always based on a clear word from God. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I know that means hear and obey. But it also means pick it up and know what the promises of God are before you start praying. And so number one, we have the faith in God's person. And number two, we have faith in God's power or excuse me, God's promises. And number three, we have faith in God's power. The one thing to make, it's one thing to make a promise, but it's another thing to have the power to keep it. You know, a lot of people make promises, but you know. I hate to be ugly, but I'm, I was born that way. It's just like sometimes politicians promise you they're going to correct the whole world in four years. I'll straighten this mess out. I'll straighten this country out. Hey, folks, I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no president going to straighten this mess out. It's going to take God. Say amen. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, or donkey. It's going to take God. Amen? Libertarian or whatever you are. It's going to take God. The children of God can have absolute confidence in God's power to do everything He has promised to do. 
He has the power to do anything we asked Him to do if it's God's will. We serve an awesome God, say amen, amen, who possesses the power from heaven to bring heaven to earth. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so is in earth. Matthew 28, 18 says, I'll give you all power. That means all authority. <laughs> Ephesians 3, 20, I love it. Let's turn there. Ephesians 3, 20. I heard a preacher one time apologize for using too many scriptures. I think I ought to apologize for using too many illustrations, but I ain't going to apologize for too many scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Is anybody getting anything out of this? 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20, excuse me. I love it when some people act half interested when I'm preaching. Just love it. Look at this. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. But why? Verse 21. Ephesians 3. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. And I like that biblical word. Some of you ought to try to use it sometime. Amen. It means so be it. It means wake up, neighbor, he's preaching. No, I don't know what it, I don't mean that. It don't mean that. It don't mean that. Amen. We do nothing that, it, listen, he has a purpose in everything in the universe, even our requests are subject to his will. We will do nothing that is outside the boundaries of His eternal purpose. We'll do nothing apart, apart from His plan. A lot of people believe that they can ask for anything they want and that God has to do what they want Him to do. And we've been taught that through televangelists that, hey, listen, you need to, you need to name it and claim it. And I, I understand that phrase, but I want to tell you something. You need to let God name it, then you claim it. Right. And you'll absolutely have it. That's confidence and faith. Nothing could be farther from the truth that prayer is never about getting what we want from heaven. Prayer is always about aligning our will with God's will so that His will will be done on this earth. Amen. Let me just give you the... First point of the second point, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue tonight. Not only do we have the uh, object of, of our biblical faith, but we have the opportunities of biblical faith. Look at verse 23 and 24 of our text. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I want to help your prayer life. I want to help my prayer life. If there's any place we need to grow, say amen here, Christians. We need to grow in our prayer life. But folks, it's really our faith life. Look at this. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be not cast into the sea, shall not and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Didn't say you saith, he saith. In other words, he said, listen, if I want to curse this tree and it dies from the roots up, that's my business, and you can have what God wants you to have. If I tell you this mountain's going to move, you, you pray with me, it'll move. But I'm not saying that it ought to move. God didn't create a mountain just to move it. He does move it sometimes. Earthquakes. Everything else. But I want to tell you something, friend. You need to realize God always, 
always allows us to believe the impossible. And there was a phrase in the the Bible days that Jews would say, hey, that's like moving a mountain. And what that phrase was was this, that's impossible. That is going to take a long, hard work to move that mountain. And God said, hey, I want you to see see this. If it's God's will for me to move that mountain, I'll move it. So he gave a vivid illustration to the Jewish proverb and a deep spiritual truth that, folks, there's no situation in life that's hopeless. There's people that seem so lost that they'll never be saved. I thought that about my daddy. He drank every night. He burnt the house up. He wrecked the cars. He he took the check and uh, the money and spent it before we got home and we had nothing to eat. And I said, this guy's not going to get saved. There's something wrong here, God. You haven't answered this prayer. And I've been praying all my teenage life that I'd have some sanity and a home of love and a home of quietness and peace. Lord, you're not going to answer this prayer. And then I saw the promise. that God said that He's not willing that any should perish that all should come to repentance. And that for His glory, He'll save anyone that'll call on Him. And I started claiming what God wanted. And not praying for my comfort. And praying for my sanity. And praying for me to have a normal childhood. I started praying, oh God, for Your glory. It's Your will. It's Your will. It's Your will that He gets saved. Oh God! Oh God, it's Your will! I cried all night. I prayed all night. I fasted. And the night that he walked out when I was preaching, God fulfilled his will for James Cleveland Cofield. And I went by a cemetery plot the other day while I was down there in Stone Mountain preaching or wherever I was, and I, and I saw that tombstone. I said, I'm glad my daddy's not there. Amen. I'm glad he's in heaven because it was God's will for him to be in heaven. But I had to get a hold of it and pray and fast and weep, and live, and my mother did did too, and my sister did too, to show him Jesus. And it took a lot of love. It took a lot of turning the other cheek. It took a lot of patience. But guess what? It wasn't our patience, it was God's. (laughs) If he's going to answer prayer, he'll do it good. But it's God's will. Have you had a need that was so great, you said there ain't no way God's going to meet it. That's the mountain. Problem so big that it seemed like a mountain that was unmovable, but God moved that mountain. You know why God moved that mountain? You got in on God's will. It's not willing that you should perish, but God's not willing for you to go pout around and be pitiful. God wants to bless you. He wants to meet your needs according to the riches of glory. Not your greeds, but your needs. We got to get a hold of what God needs. And I'm going to tell you what God needs. He needs you to glorify God no matter what. He needs you to glorify God if He never answers that prayer. He needs you to glorify God in what you've got and what you are and not be pouting and pitiful and panicking because He didn't give you what you wanted. Amen. Evidently, God's got a bigger plan. That's all I can say. I'm not trying to be unmerciful. I'm not trying to be unkind because I have put myself in some of your places and I have cried and wept and prayed for years that God would work a miracle. And I think about it every day. 
that God would work a miracle. But just this week, God told me, I have worked a miracle. And I have answered the way I want to answer. And the miracle be, Wayne, you need to submit to it. You need to submit to it. But we need to believe God for the impossible. I can believe God for salvation. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy 2.4. My time's up. I'm going to give you this verse and we'll go. You know why I put time on me? Because I know you can't listen more than 45 minutes. I know you can't. You can watch a movie three hours, but you can't listen to me no more than 45 minutes. So I don't want you just sitting there. I don't want you sleeping. I don't want you mad at me because I kept you to 12.30 and you won't come back for three weeks. I want you to, I want you to listen. So here it is. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to give you some things that I know is God's will in closing. And God's will is 1 Timothy 2, 4. The Bible says this. Who will have all men to be what, class? Saved. How many men? All men. You bunch of hyper-Calvinists that think some are predestined to go to hell and some are predestined to go to heaven. You need to get right with God. You need to get your doctrine straight. It's the silliest doctrine I've ever seen. It's a selfish doctrine. You never go soul winning because you think some are predestined to go to hell, some are predestined to go to heaven, so I'll sit here and be studious. Well, God does know who's going to get saved. God can go to the future and look back, but it's our business to believe that God wants to save whosoever will. And that means take the gospel to a lost and dying world. Not be so intellectual. You start a Reformed Baptist church and sit in your... Sit in your pew to, G, to people die and go to hell while you get intellectual. Folks, if you believe you can find out, figure out who's saved and who's not saved, then you're trying to be God and you're not God. So you need to witness to everybody like they're going to get saved. And you need to witness to everybody like they're all men. Look at this now. 2-4, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? He's not willing that any should perish. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Bible says that He wants to meet your needs. Matthew 6, 25-34 says, If He'll take care of a little sparrow, He'll take care of you. And He'll give you your needs. He'll give you your health. He'll give you your raiment. He'll give you your needs. If you're in the will of God, He'll meet your needs. He's a heavenly Father. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Unless you run away from home, your Father's going to take care of you. My mama took care of me. I don't know how in the world she did because we didn't have no money because daddy drank it all gone. But praise God, she took care of me. And my daddy apologized on his deathbed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He came out of World War II messed up. Messed up. You kill a bunch of men, it'll mess you up. You see your buddies killed, it'll mess you up. But it don't mean you go turn to liquor. It means you turn to the Lord. Amen. Our precious veterans are killing themselves every day in America. We need to get a burden for them. We need to pray for them. Hey, he'll meet your needs. Philippians 4.19 says, I'll meet your needs according to my riches and glory. You know what that means? He's got it. You just got to get a hold of what he wants and what he's got and let God flow through your life. Hey, we can have faith, we're saved. As Liz, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. The Bible says in um, 
Romans 10, 9, if you'll believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I have faith to know that I'm saved. How do I know that I know that I know I'm saved? Because I got God's word on it. Not because of some feeling, not because of some slaying. Hey, praise God, not because I joined the church. Not because I got good enough. I got God's word on it. This, these things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Grant. No. Didn't say think so, did it? Didn't say might. Didn't say maybe. It said you can know that you're saved. Because what? It's written. Amen. It's a good listener right up here, by the way. It's written. If I know I'm saved, I think I know I can be sustained. Let me just give you another one real quick. I have faith that I'm secure. I'm secure. The Bible says in John 10, 28, no man can pluck you out of his hand. That you're in the Father. The Bible says in John 6, 37, in no wise cast you out. I got faith. No, hey, listen, I got faith there's a heaven. I got faith there's a heaven. How do I know there's a heaven? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Not so I told you. And I go to prepare a place for it. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive him myself. That where I am, there you shall be also. Amen. Thomas looked at him and said, Lord, we know not where thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. I got God's word on it. There's a heaven. I got a mom and daddy up there. I'm looking forward to being with them. Amen. And folks, listen, I'm going to close with this one. I know I'm closing and closing, but good night. This is about biblical faith. Amen. You don't preach it in 30 minutes. Praise God. I can have faith that he will never leave me. Right. Where did I get that idea? Hebrews 13, 5. Yes. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. The list could go on and on and on and on. And some of you have already turned me off. You're already home. You're already got your pajamas on. You're watching the Braves win in the 10th inning. I know you're there, but I want to tell you this, friend. I know I'm going there because of the Bible. So it's biblical faith. That we need biblical faith will change your world. It's according to your faith, be it unto you. Don't take that out of context. That's biblical faith. Father, Thank you for doing the impossible, the improbable, the impractical. God, thank you for doing what you want to do and not what we want. Because, Lord, our want to sometimes very selfish, very selfish. And our want's demanding, and we want it yesterday. But, God, you know what we need and when we need it. And so, Lord, we just give you this Christian life because it's yours. We give you this prayer thing, this prayer life, which is not a prayer thing, but it's, a, it's an act of worship. It's the mighty hand of God towards us. And we pray to God that we give biblical faith. Biblical faith. And Lord, if it is your desire to move that mountain back there across from I-75, I'll believe with you. We'll go out there and watch it move. But God, I know definitely it's your will people to be saved. 
And so, Lord, the best thing I know to do is go soul winning, go knock on doors, go visit open and honest people like we visited yesterday and watch you use your word to rescue the perishing and care for the dying.